0: Hello out there to whoever's listening, uh, if anyone's listening. This is Pastor Tim Dooner of Valley Forge Presbyterian Church, and I welcome you to this first sermon from our Fall Winter 2019 sermon series on our journey of becoming a Matthew 25 congregation. This sermon is entitled A New Season of Life and Service. I invite you now to enjoy and to become centered by a time of quiet and stillness as we prepare to think about this together. So what I share for consideration and imagination today is in response to two pieces of scripture. The first is from the Hebrew prophet Isaiah, who was recorded in the 43rd chapter, saying, But that thus says the Lord, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Thus says the Lord, who makes a Way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they're extinguished and quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert." The second piece of scripture is the story of Jesus from 22nd and 23rd chapters of Matthew's gospel. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do. For they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven, Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. We are grateful uh, for these scriptures and how God uses them to affirm and to shape us. Thus says the Lord, Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Can't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. This uh, promise and affirmation of God's faithfulness came to the Israelites in the midst of an identity crisis. They were exiled away from home. They could not imagine how to faithfully be themselves in a new place. But God promised them if they would not only focus on what they had been, patterns, the norms, the expectations of the past, that they would see that God was still with them, leading them into a new season. God would help them to establish new patterns and norms. They didn't have to be what they were. We are welcomed together into a new season in the life of being the Valley Forge Presbyterian Church, uh, where if you're listening As a member of another church, welcome to your new season in your congregation. We're all in the same place together. It's the same bricks and mortar that surround us, but we're in a new place. And we join so many other congregations in this place that feels like exile. We long to go back to what we were, to hold on to the patterns and the norms and the expectations of the past, but we know that we cannot operate in this new world in the same ways as when we lived back then and there. The world around us just is not the same as back then. We are not the same as we were then. Moves away, deaths, physical and mental illnesses, frequent leadership transition, and the wider cultural shift away from institutional religion. These have all taken their toll. And our people, like so many other congregations, have admirably preserved and manned the ship as it has sailed through these swirling waters of change all about. Uh, We've done our best to maintain a familiar order of worship, Sunday school program, fellowship gatherings, those blessed rituals of sharing food and coffee. We've done our best to be kind and welcoming to new people uh, with our hopes and our prayers that they might join us in our congregation. We've done our best to be generous with mission dollars, and we've wrestled gracefully regarding our corporate belief statements. And none of this has been wrong. But in this new world, we're struggling, uh, like the Israelites, to imagine how we can be faithfully ourselves. Our worship, discipleship, our fellowship patterns, they're comforting to us in their familiarity, but they're not creating the same kingdom progress or outcome. Again, you, we haven't done anything wrong, but this can make us feel afraid, anxious, and uncertain which can drive us to put all our faith into our familiar patterns and work tirelessly to try to perfect them. Because we think if only we were worshiping better or doing fellowship better or doing fill-in-the-blank better like we used to, then all of our hard work would lead to our goal of preservation. If doing A, B, or C led to success before, then it it should lead to success again, right? Right? But the time has come for us to stop putting our hope in our ability to make ourselves faithful, relevant, and preserved. Our future will not be found in our ability to perfect our worship service by having the right worship order or hymns or confessions or right pastor, the right decorations, so that it is attractive to people. Our future will not be found in our ability to perfect our children's ministry with the right teachers, the curriculum, and the right programs that attract the right families Our future will not be found in our ability to perfect our fellowship time by having the right food, the right coffee, to attract the right people. Our future is not going to be found in some magic bullet that makes people attracted to us like moths to a flame so that they might join in the preservation of our ways. And our future will not be found in this because as we need Jesus to remind us constantly To be a Christian is not to preserve, but to serve. To be a Christian is not to be a group of people who worship in the right way, program for children and adults in the right way, eat and drink together in the right way, build buildings in the right way, or even believe in all the right ways, and then make preserving those ways for future generations our priority. We don't worship our traditions, our rituals, our buildings. Or as we considered as a church over this summer, we don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus. We assign Jesus authority over who we understand ourselves to be. Our worship traditions, rituals, buildings, and Bibles are not ends, but they are means to the end of following Jesus. Jesus lived in the world of the Pharisees, and they were just the best at order, and rules, norms, expectations, rituals, programs, indoctrination, institution building. But that all got really heavy. The institutional leaders, the Pharisees, placed heavy burdens that were hard to bear upon the members. So many rules, laws, rituals, demands, with the expectation that their their way of life must be preserved by God's mandate. Maybe you know what it's like to feel a burden placed on you by the church. Maybe you feel like our traditions, rituals, and expectations are obligatory or burdensome. Maybe you do far more than your fair share as a member of the church, trying desperately to help our congregation of a hundred and some to maintain worship, programmatic, and physical structures that were designed for a congregation of a thousand decades ago. Maybe you don't do much more than showing up on Sunday mornings because that's all you have left in the tank after being burdened and exhausted and broken by the demands of the church for decades. Maybe you're someone who hasn't really committed much time to the church, because you anticipate that the deeper you get in, the more of a demand and a burden it will be. But being part of the church of Jesus Christ was never meant to be a burden. A calling and a commitment, yes, but a burden, no. In the midst of the burden of rules, norms, expectations, structures, programs, indoctrination, and institution building, Jesus spoke permission To dream a new season of faithfulness to God that was not so burdensome. Do not consider the former things. A new thing is springing up. He said, my yoke is easy and the burden is light. All of the religious laws and norms, all the words of the prophets, they all point to a faithful and true life being grounded in our love for God and neighbor. Love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. To love, as Jesus taught, the Greek word agape, is to intentionally act for the sake of the other regardless of merit and without the expectation of anything in return. To love God, the first command, is to intentionally act for God's sake, to do what God wills, Whether or not we feel like God has earned our investment by divinely appointing enough good things in our lives and without the sense that we're doing what God wants in expectation of getting something back in return. To love God is to be God's faithful people without any concern for what's in it for us. If it's what God wills, we do it while trusting that it is best. And the second command, to love neighbor is to intentionally act for the sake of other people, and not just other members of our club, but all others. To love neighbors, to intentionally act for the sake of family, friends, stranger, and enemy alike. And as we start to reflect in this series on Matthew 25, and the parables that Jesus tells within us, within it, in order to help us to understand this love of God and neighbor, we will see that this intentionality to act for the sake of other people is often for the sake of those others who are most in need to be a christian is to empty the self to set aside our preferences and fears and to love god and neighbor jesus says that the greatest among us is not the most powerful the most respected the most religious or the most pious The greatest among us is not the one with the authority to burden others, nor is the greatest the one who carries those burdens in order to earn the admiration or praises of others. In America and in the American church, we can wear our exhaustion, our busyness, and long lists of accomplishments like badges of honor. But Jesus says that those badges and burdens don't make us great. Church, Christian greatness isn't about numbers or buildings. We, the church, are at our greatest when we are humbly and intentionally serving God's will of peace and the needs of our neighbors and love. If we look forward into the future and we think that we have to figure out how to, in the midst of a completely different world and culture, get our institution back to what it once was, with pews overflowing with people speaking and singing all the right things and with hundreds upon hundreds of children in Sunday school and with enough offerings to make our buildings newer and shinier and bigger, if that's what we see as our future, the restoration of all this just as it was in the past, while now there are 50 or 100 of us in worship instead of hundreds. Who, when imagining our job is to make it all like it was in 1970, feels a heavy burden and a lot of doubt. Of course we do. But if we look forward into our future and we no longer consider the former things, admitting that we don't have to figure out how to magically restore all of those norms and patterns and expectations and numbers, and instead consider that what God is really asking of the hundred of us is to love our neighbors just as we are, with the people and the resources that we have now, that feels like something we can do together with God's help. That feels like a burden of expectation has been lifted. We have everything that we need to move forward into a new season of faithfulness. Come all congregations who are burdened, for his yoke of love and service is easy. The burden is light. It's time for us churches to set down the burden, anxiety, and fear that we feel when we think that our future has to look exactly like our past. We need to stop focusing only on what was and trust that God will make a way through this wilderness. And this isn't just us in the Presbyterian world. This is every Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, non-denominational church struggling to preserve. God is doing a new thing. Can we perceive it? Because it is springing forth. God is working to reshape the church of Jesus Christ around the world so that we're no longer finding identity in our worship preferences, our pastors, our programs, our buildings, our numbers, or our past successes, but instead finding our identity, our purpose, and our voice in the world by our love and service. We will continue to worship, to program, to gather in our buildings, but we will always be asking whether or not as means to the greater end of loving and serving God and neighbor, our worship, our programming, our buildings, and our budget are enabling us to more faithfully and fruitfully love and serve God and love and serve our neighbor. We have everything and everyone that we need to love and serve God and neighbor. We have everything we need to unload the burden and to be a healthy, faithful, and fruitful church. Fear not. Our new life is springing forth. Moving into the unknown future can be frightening. I think of these moments in my own life, leaving the comfort of home to the unknown ways of college, leaving my father and mother and clinging to the unknown ways of marriage, leaving a good job in youth ministry to go to the unknown ways of seminary, leaving a really good thing of uh, my wife Blair and I being being alone in life uh, to enter into this terrifying unknown of parenthood. Uh, leaving behind the comfort of being close to family to move to the unknown of Emmaus in 2011, leaving behind the comfort of God-gifted friends and a great church in Emmaus to come to the unknown of Valley Forge in 2016. I was afraid every time. But every time as I stopped clinging to what was and trusted God to lead me into the unknown future, I found that I had everything and everyone that I needed for new seasons of faithfulness in life. Thus says the Lord, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. The Spirit of God and the witness of Christ will guide us through this new season and into new norms and patterns and expectations and spaces and places that fit us as we are now, freeing us from the heavy burden of perpetuating what was expected of us previously. Freeing us to use more of our time, our energy, our resources to serve rather than to preserve. Showing us that we already have everything that we need and making us exalted by our humble and loving service. It is our humble and loving service of God and the least of our neighbors that makes the church great. You may be a little anxious but I invite us all to be excited for God to guide us into this new season of loving and serving together that is less burdensome and more free. Amen. Thanks for listening. May God bless you in your reflecting and in your prayer.